0: Everybody ready? It's the show on the road. Doesn't even show up on the GPS. It's unworthy of global positioning. That's the whole point. Get off the grid, right? Hello! I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. times says closed. We're looking for uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. Not to get you there, getting back. That's your concern. Oh, this is awesome. Whoa, no way. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Just Another Movie Podcast. If you didn't guess it from the opening sequence... Tough luck. Uh, Has we'll anyone be...
1: ever not guessed it from the opening sequence? Uh, no
0: one's reported not any yet. bad comments yet, so uh, success rate hundred percent. There you go. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't guess it from the opening sequence, let us know. Yeah, maybe I'll try and make them a bit more obscure. See if people have to try and <laughs> guess. Tricky. Them. Mm. Uh, that, of course, was the voice of my fellow co-pastor Rodney. Say hello, Rodney. Hi. Thanks for having me back again. No worries at all. Pleasure to have you here. Uh, and today we are talking about Cabin in the Woods, which was released in twenty twelve yeah uh much like with skyfall this is a reasonably new movie so we'll uh, do it in two sections the first part will be a review we'll have a little bit of a break you can go get a coffee or a drink or whatever then come back and you can uh hit the second part where we uh, hit the spoilers to begin with i'll uh do a little bit of run through of the movie for those who haven't seen it please five teenagers take a trip to a lake for a weekend of drinking and debauchery isolated in the woods away from all the modern wonders like phone reception what could possibly go wrong I know it sounds like the setup for just about every horror movie out there, but that's the point of this one. The Cabin in the Woods, created by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, brings us a modern horror movie which shows you that you can make a stereotypical horror movie yet still be funny and insightful. That was my review, nice and quick this week. Oh,
1: well, I've been Rodney. Thanks for having me. <laughs> See you later. Uh,
0: so, Rodney, uh, did this movie make you want to cut off your arm, or did it give you a husband's bulge? <laughs> <laughs>
1: bit of both. I wanted, <laughs>
0: cut, I
1: wanted to cut my bulge off. <laughs> Is that fair to say?
0: Oh, okay. Can I go that way? Uh, it depends. Did you
1: like the movie? Did you did not I like, the, like movie? the movie? So, short answer, no. Short answer. Short answer. I don't like this one, and it's a bit different to that other one that we did ages ago, Skyfall, uh-huh. where I would really highly recommend people watch this one. But I have problems with it. I don't. I don't. I can't. I actually can't watch it. Like, not, not literally, physically, can't watch it. I can. I'm not, you know, weird. You're not blind in some way. What, the act of watching it was agony. It was the ideas. It was the thoughts that I thought were really... Some of them were really, really good and worked really well. And I would absolutely recommend it to people. But it, this movie grated on me in a way that made the act of watching it just horrendous. I, I came out just feeling like all my friends who liked it, I was like, I want to slap you because I am so irritated right now. I need some ointment or something.
0: Okay, so just uh, for our viewers who are regular listeners to the podcast, (laughs) welcome back. And uh, just to say, it's basically the opposite of Skyfall then. You you went in kind of hoping it was going to be good and it turned out to be bad. You went in with this. The thing is, I don't like Joss Whedon. Mm. I don't like him.
1: Okay. (laughs) I saw Avengers though. Yep. And I really liked it. I really loved it. I felt like he finally got it right. Okay. Perhaps because he had so much at stake. It was such a big movie that he couldn't afford to get it wrong. Mm. He had a lot of characters' voices that were pre- existing that he had to work with yep that it wasn't all his creation it wasn't all his voice he he didn't have free roam right sure he he didn't have free range it was caged joss whedon which is turns out that's what i like (laughs) joss whedon in a cage so he was a little bit restrained and i thought that worked perfectly a little bit of joss whedon pepper on the top rather than a whole bowl of pepper which is just too much
0: okay wouldn't you agree no, not, not, a, not in the slightest. So you would sit a, down
1: and happily shovel down spoonfuls of pepper one after another.
0: I would spoonful down steaming piles of Joss Whedon you until are. I could steaming pile it no more.
1: <laughs>
0: yep. Whereas so, you think Whedon is a steaming pile. So two <laughs> completely different viewpoints.
1: I saw this, I saw this at the Astor Theatre in Melbourne, which is actually like a bit of a sweat box. Kind of like, like the, the atmosphere in that room just contains itself. And at the end, everybody was uproarious and cheering. And I was like, yep, I get it. But it wasn't that good, right? And everyone was like, no, it was amazing. So I, I, it, that amplifies, if you don't know anything about my psychology, that amplifies me in the opposite way. And it makes me not like it even more. Okay, that's fine. So look, anyway, we'll get into it. But sh- short answer is I didn't really like it, but it's really interesting.
0: Sure, okay. Is that fair enough? No, not in the slightest. What kind? Uh, <laughs> Later me. Just to, just to put it out there, I think it's still playing at the Astor. I'm pretty sure it's playing in August. As as tends to happen with the Aster,
1: they show a movie once every like two months and for five years. Yeah, for those listeners who
0: aren't <laughs> Melbourneites, I guess would be the only way to describe come that. Come to
1: Melbourne. If you come to hey, Melbourne, go to the Come to Aster. Melbourne,
0: and when you do, go see a movie at the Astor. They're yeah. probably saying, playing something really old that you like ages ago and forgot about. Yeah. Come look at the Aster. They've got their <laughs> movie... Uh, movie calendar uh, calendar yeah they've got their movie calendar out for like a year in advance so they know what they're gonna oh, yeah. care you have got plenty of time you can plan your holiday yeah, around it correct. if you wanted to and they show a lot of movies um
1: like on 70 70 millimeter film where no yep. one else is showing it they tend to like do long runs of movies there'll be like a kubrick double feature that runs for a for a week or they'll show ferris bueller's day off in the breakfast club those kind of cool double features mm-hmm. it's just probably the coolest cinema in melbourne really but um yeah, look, this movie, it definitely plays to the fans, I would say. Yep. And, you know, it had a bit of a troubled history pre-release. When it came out, all the fans were, you know, salivating so much. And like I say, I saw it at the Asta where it's like,
0: it's a fans pressure cooker.
1: Cook- and I was, I was covered in fandom and it was more than I could handle.
0: <laughs> did it stick to the your
1: shoes? It's it was okay. watching I was finding it in my pockets months later. <laughs> tell us a bit more about
0: what happens in this movie. Well, as I said in the intro, five uh, teenagers go for a holiday away Yeah. To, to get away from the world, basically. They're university yeah. students. They literally are trying to escape yeah. the pressures of university life. So we'll get into spoilers
1: more later, but they're
0: five particular students, five particular people, right? They are. They They certainly fit certain demographics, you would mm-hmm. say, as you would expect to see in this kind of a horror movie. You've got yeah. the... The attractive blonde, the, the, the big jock played by Chris Hemsworth. Yep. You've got the, the smart guy, the smart girl, and the stoner, basically. To, yeah, the girls are rounded out. Yeah.
1: But that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these five teenagers, they go off to a cabin in the woods. So far, so good. Classic slasher fare.
0: Yeah. and I, I would know, say it's a staple in the, the slasher genre. You could say that.
1: Obviously, there's a lot of this movie that you don't want spoiled. Yep. But I don't think it's too much to say that these stereotypes are being amplified by an artificial outside force. I don't think that's too much There is
0: an external force that influences oh, I, the I w- scenario. I Definitely. would
1: go far enough to actually... We're just going to say it right now. <laughs> because if you don't want me to... I don't think that spoils anything to say that these people, like the, the, uh, the jock, is actually like a sociology student as well. And yeah. the, the the girl, the blonde slut, in air quotes, she's, it turns out she's actually just dyed her hair blonde. And they've actually there's, there's a chemical that's been put in the hair dye to amplify maybe her... Hormones? Her, her hormones, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So these people are already kind of stereotypes, but these stereotypes are really being elevated. They're being heightened. Mm-hmm. to to actually make sure that they hit those marks to, to say that these people need to reach their station... And they're predetermined. You're the fool. You're the scholar. You're the virgin. You're the what's the slut? I can't remember what she's called. The vixen, maybe. Sure. And the what's the jock? Is he an athlete? Maybe. He's the athlete. Yeah, they're stereotypes, and they're being they're being manipulated to really hammer home the point that these people are stereotypes. But they there can be no confusion about it. So we'll artificially ramp that up. Sure. You don't look very comfortable with me saying any of this.
0: No, no, I completely agree with everything you've said
1: so there's uh, there's outside factors at play. They're not just going to some random cavern in the woods. This has all been orchestrated. yes, the scene is orchestrated. It's not just a cavern that happens to be in the woods it's like a it's like a, a scene like a piece of scenery in a play, yeah, and pulling the strings is a government agency that no one's heard of before. no one knows about them. yep, they're underground, they're secret, but it's um it turns out that the teenagers going to the woods. The reason it keeps popping up in all these horror films all the time is because the government keeps orchestrating it, and they keep ensuring that it's the same stereotypes. Yeah, and it's actually it, it, the, the 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 humor of this movie, most of it I would say comes from the mundane adi- the, the mundane approach that this government agency takes, especially the main two guys, the mundane approach that they have to something that is actually horrifying out of the ordinary for these people.
0: Wouldn't you agree? I understand where you're coming from, sure. Okay, go on. Just to put you in a bit of a standpoint, Drew Goddard, who yes. co-wrote this with Joss yes. Whedon, uh, actually grew up at Los Alamos. Okay. So he had parents and uncles and families and friends who worked at Los Alamos, where they make some of the most devastating weapons and bombs in human history. Yeah. So he kind of grew up with this sort of mentality of people who do absolutely atrocious things for a living, but go about it in a fairly normal day-to-day yes. you know, cool. Okay, cool tie-wearing, coffee-drinking sort of a way. So sure. I think he really did bring that into the aspect in this particular movie with those guys, with the government agency. Yeah. So there's these two government guys,
1: Bradley... Whitford? Bradley Whitford. And what's who's the other guy? Uh,
0: I don't remember his name at this point. I know mm-hmm. his character's yeah, I don't know name either. is uh, Steeler.
1: I know his face. It's one of those actors that you go, I know the guy, but you don't actually know him. Bradley Whitford, you know, from like the West Wing and stuff. It's actually a bit of a West Wing style role. His dialogue, his character has a bit of a West Wing sort of feel, Studio 60 feel.
0: Certainly. I can agree. I that wouldn't say it was derivative,
1: but it's, no, in, it's, it's Bradley Whitford playing Bradley Whitford.
0: It's Joss Whedon and Drew Gratting writing, I think, for Bradley Whitford to play that character. So yeah. they're certainly playing on he, what the roles he does well. Sure. Uh, and yeah, he plays the part fantastically. So there's a whole government
1: agency orchestrating this whole thing. But those two guys, they're the main sort of puppet masters. They're the string pullers. One of the observations people have made about this movie is that that is a stand-in for the director and the writer, basically.
0: Yeah. Well so it's almost like a metaphor for movie-making itself. Joss Whedon and Drew have said they, they did write themselves into the movie as these two guys in the control booth.
1: Yeah, and as a result, they probably get the best lines, the funniest lines, they're the smartest guys, you know. It's, it's a little bit of ego-stroking, perhaps. Possibly. Classic Joss Whedon. But I think in a good way, though. In a good way. It's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, sure. So it's, an, it's a device, so we won't go into spoilers, but it's a device for analysing and uh, maybe criticising horror films Yes. through this situation that they've orchestrated.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you're watching a horror film about how to make a horror film, almost. Or
1: it's also a little bit almost like why horror films play out the way they do. Uh,
0: like, I what? believe one pundit described it as the Truman Show meets Friday the 13th.
1: Sure so you... Evil Dead I like Evil Dead better it's set in the Kevin in the sure woods show me it's Evil Dead there you go so... I, was, I, was, I was looking up on YouTube clips of this movie
0: and the Evil Dead clips kept coming up I was like oh, I love Evil Dead I just want to watch those clips instead <laughs> so I think this movie is a really good look at the horror movie genre whereas Scream was a look at the slasher genre in particular Yeah, I liken this movie the to Scream, Scream. it's yeah, absolutely. a horror movie but it's not necessarily of the horror movie genre It's it's a horror movie that is
1: self-referential and deconstructs the genre different to skyfall i think in that it's it really satisfies at the end it's it's a movie that analyzes itself but delivers at the same time where i think skyfall Mm. got it wrong okay but um i mean you've probably heard this a hundred million times if you're at all interested in this movie but if you haven't seen it go and see it you don't want it spoiled we can maybe what else can we talk about without spoiling it though
0: well let's talk about perhaps chris hemsworth the fact that he's in it you know it was released in 2012 yeah. pretty much towards the height of the Chris Hemsworth career it was almost. made a few
1: years before that
0: it was made in 2008 so it was yeah. filmed four years before it was released mm-hmm. and during the shooting of this film in particular he got a phone call on a particular Thursday <clears throat> to say he got the part in the remake of Red Dawn and then two days later he got the phone call to say they land the part in Thor mm-hmm. a new major motion franchise and uh, Joss Whedon in particular picks on him a little bit because he's like, "What happened on the Friday, man? Why didn't you get a movie on Friday? <laughs> Why, well, man? No movie on Friday for you." Uh, he's so clever. <laughs> but yeah, I think the the casting in particular on this movie is quite good, given that uh, they really have narrowed down their focuses in regards to the in particular stereotypes they're trying to portray mm-hmm. would but, you agree I mean,
1: but what do you mean it's like it's the same five stereotypes
0: from every horror movie that's but point. that's what I mean the The twist is that as you said before I mean, mean that's what they're going for and they nailed it yeah right okay cool because some movies they, they kind of try and get the the girl to play the right part and it doesn't quite come off you, you just mm. feel something doesn't quite catch
1: yeah but this is going the other way it takes a girl who could be maybe a bit more middle of the road and knocks, forces them knocks them to all an the edges off <laughs> that it doesn't want to get the effect that it's looking for. Yeah. There's another aspect of this, which kind of ties in with that production element that we were talking about, mm-hmm. which I, which is not spoilery either, but it's just the way that Joss Whedon fans seem a bit entitled. Do you know what I mean? What do you
0: mean? So, Being a Joss Whedon fan, choose your words carefully.
1: I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a go at them other than to say, <laughs> That's because I'm sitting here looking at you other than to say that, you know, not every Joss Whedon show has to go forever and ever. Not every Joss Whedon movie that he's going to make in his career is going to be the best movie of all time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yet they kind of act like it is. Would
0: you disagree with that? I but think like they. Gets... I think they want it to. Yeah. Like Firefly was awesome, and it got cancelled mainly because of the network that ran it. Sure. I've had that argument with multiple people. I don't need to have it so
1: here. So got cancelled. So they they like protested and they like got petitions signed and
0: they raised money and raised yeah. funds and, and they, they got, got a movie, movie out of it. Good on them. Good on them. <laughs> yep,
1: fantastic. Then this movie gets made, and it's like, uh, it's going to take ages to get all the special effects done. It's going to cost a lot of money. Let's just sit on it for a while. And they protested, and they signed petitions, and they finally got it released. Good on them.
0: Well, there, there, there were a few other rumor. things that delayed this movie. For once, the studio yeah. wanted to release it in retrospect 3D, and the guys yeah, didn't want yeah. to. So,
1: But wait a second. Joss Whedon didn't want to. And the director and the didn't want to. And the fans all said, oh, Joss Whedon, he knows what he's doing. We don't want it to be in 3D. We want it to be the way Joss Whedon wants it to be because everything he touches is gold. That's what we want. Can you deny that everything he touches is gold? Yes. I can. Because it's not gold. Like what? Like, think of... You like Buffy, right? I do. Think of your favourite line from Buffy. There's too many. You don't have to say it out loud, but just think of it. Think of it in your mind. It's like think of a card. Picture any card. That line could be said by any character in that show and it would be in that character's voice. It wouldn't matter. It's that the characters are no. not uniquely defined. They all have Joss Whedon's voice.
0: No, unfortunately
1: not. Oh, come on. <laughs> get over <out of> yourself. <laughs> so then there's this Joss Whedon TV show that was proposed, like the Avengers Shield, I think, or whatever it is. Agents of Shield? That was proposed. And they were like, well, Joss Whedon wants to make this TV show. And then they were on the fence, so oh, maybe we won't make it. And the fans protested and they said, no, don't you understand? Joss Whedon's involved in that. So it has to be. And I just get a bit sick of it, to be honest. It's like, I love Aaron Sorkin, right? And he has a bit of a similar history. He was in the West Wing and he left. And I was like, well, it's no good anymore. He did Studio 60 and it got cancelled. I was like, you can't cancel that. It's the best show. But I get over it after like a month. And I'm like, okay, eh, it got cancelled. I'll live with it. It just seems like Joss Whedon fans are maybe too attached to the material. Hold it too preciously. I can understand where
0: you're coming from. And that's you why they're Dol called House? Fans. Fans is uh, a short fanatic. So yeah. you have to understand where you're coming from. I own Dollhouse Season 1 and 2, so... Yes, I have seen Dollhouse. I
1: I think Dollhouse is not good at all. I I will admit that Buffy's okay. I don't like it. But Dollhouse,
0: no, Dollhouse is not good. Well, to begin with, Joss made Buffy, which ran for seven seasons. And he was also responsible for Angel's spin-off of Buffy, which lasted its five seasons. He made Dollhouse, which ran for two seasons. Fair enough. It wasn't the best of his work, but Mm. it still was good. Individually, episodes were great. The premise was interesting. I think it did really well. This isn't the Buffy
1: podcast, but yeah. Um, I mean, there's the guy from Dollhouse who's also in Cabin in the Woods. To bring it back to the back to the movie, yes, there is. I hate that guy. <laughs> I Why? Absolutely hate him. Every line that he says. I don't know if it's the writing, if it's his delivery, if it's just his face. He grates <laughs> against me more than anything else in this movie. I cannot stand him. Cannot stand him. He's the worst.
0: Well, perhaps we could talk about him a little later sure. after the uh, the veil has been pulled. <laughs>
1: But yeah, look, this is the setup for the movie. So there's these kids, they're stereotypes. They go to a cabin in the woods. It's all orchestrated by this government agency. For what reason? Well, I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to watch the movie. Hmm. But it, like I say, it's an, it's a meditation on horror movies. It's a meditation on why they play out the way they do. Mm-hmm. It also gets into maybe horror movies and points of cultural difference. Sure. So, I mean, what we're watching play out is kind of like a critique on the American horror movie. It does, I will admit this, it, it is um, self aware enough that it kind of touches on Japanese horror movies. Sure, and a little bit. Other foreign horror movies as well.
0: Yep. But
1: I'm not going into specifics. I'm just saying that it's, it's, no, no. It's, a, it's a comment on the genre as a whole.
0: Yeah, it doesn't narrow down to just specifically yeah. American horror movies. It does comment on, as yeah. you said, the genre internationally, not just American. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we move to The Veil, yep. for people who might stop listening at the, the point in time, I obviously would recommend this movie to people, but I do usually issue it with a caveat saying that it is quite bloody and gruesome. Mm. Would you agree? Could not agree more.
1: Could not agree more. If you're squirmish, you want to like just leave early for this one.
0: Yeah, it, there's not many times that I use the word violence in a movie, but I think this mm. does come into that category. It has violence
1: It does. It, it sort of... It has that, it's kind of got a climax that's like all the spectacle of a comic book movie or a, or a, an anime or something,
0: but with the realism of a slasher movie. So yeah. So you're kind of getting assaulted from both mm. both angles. So while you don't necessarily have to be a fan of horror films to watch this, you can appreciate it for the movie that it is, which is a, a movie about horror movies, essentially, almost sure. like a Seinfeld episode. Sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is. Coming with the caveat that it is quite gruesome because it is still technically a hmm. horror movie. So there are
1: zombies and blood it. and it's guts a and movie. yeah.
0: So if you do approach it, you know, not necessarily a fan of horror movies and you want to watch it, be forewarned. It is quite gruesome and quite bloody. <laughs>
1: and are we going to score? Uh,
0: yeah, I will give it a solid eight. I like it a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, there are things that you know don't quite work, but yeah, overall, hmm. it's eight, maybe eight and a half. Yeah, even.
1: I guess I guess six and a half. Okay. Because, like I say, there's lots of things I don't like about it. Well, usually... The experience of watching it's no good. The ideas are good enough that it can't be too low. But, yeah, I really don't enjoy watching this movie. It's no fun for me at all.
0: You and I uh, have known each other for for quite some long time (laughs) now. So, uh, you probably give Joshua a negative five. So, that means you gave the film an 11.
1: That's Yeah, you're getting close. You're getting really close. Uh,
0: So, yeah. So, uh, we'll pull the veil across here. So, for those who haven't seen the movie, feel free to stop the podcast now. The snippet you're going to be listening to for people who have seen the movie is the Harbinger calling the government agency yeah. to report that the kids have arrived. So we'll hear you after the break. Control? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I have the Harbinger in line two. Oh, Christ. Uh, can you
1: take a message?
0: Uh, I don't think so. He's really pushy. Um, to be honest, he's kind of freaking me out. Okay, What am on. Mordecai, baby, what's
1: happening? How's the weather up top? The lambs have passed through the gate. They are come to the killing floor.
0: Well, you're, you're doing a great job
1: out there. By the numbers, man, you gotta start it off just right. So we'll talk to you later, okay? Their blind eyes see nothing of the horrors to come. Their
0: ears are stopped. They are the gods' fools. Well, that's how it works. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of... Am I on speakerphone? No, absolutely not. Speakerphone, no, no,
1: I wouldn't do that. Yes, I am, I, I can hear the echo. Oh my God, you, uh, you're right. Hang on one second, I'll take you off. That's rude, I, I don't know who's in the room. Fine, there, you're off. Thank you. Don't take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The phone nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. The ancient ones
0: see everything day will not be. I'm still on speakerphone, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Lord of God! I can't believe it, it did it again! <laughs> <laughs> what happened to <laughs> that? Mm-hmm,
1: pretty good. <laughs> pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love these things on speakerphone. <laughs> but it's like.
1: It's kind of like. You just imagine Joss Whedon pitching that to some executives or something on speakerphone, <laughs> and he's like, "So anyway, and then there's this big monster and the girls there, and like they're having sex because that's what they have to do in these movies." And then, am I
0: am I on speakerphone? No, no, definitely not. No,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what that's kind of what I mean by like the, the mundane approach that these two guys in particular take. I mean, there's this horrific scene playing out, but they've been through it dozens of times, presumably. Yep. And the only thing that they can do to actually get themselves through it is play, like, little pranks on this guy who's taking it all way too seriously. He's taking it... Like, that's, that's where the humour of that scene comes from.
0: Well, he is taking it deadly seriously yes. because it is deadly serious. It's a serious. serious business. Yes, and, and why is it serious? That. Because if these people don't die the right way, the world will just be destroyed. <laughs>
1: yeah, the gods will be angry. Now, I mean, if you extend the... You
0: know The metaphor? Draw the long bow? The,
1: what more metaphors can we have for drawing a metaphor? <laughs> There's got to be some more. If you extend this metaphor as it's a meditation on horror movies, why is everything being orchestrated like this? Now we can get into spoiler territory. Yes, welcome being, to spoiler it's country. Being, it's, being, it's being orchestrated to appease the gods, which you'd have to think is that they're a stand-in for the audience, right? So if you Interesting say way to look at it, a, normal, sure. a normal horror movie we go to see that we pay our money we sit down and give it our time because we want to see the cheerleader get killed we want to see the jock get killed we want to see the virgin save the day we are the gods of this movie right?
0: I would agree with that yeah. yeah we are the gods who need to be appeased we are the ones
1: who, are, who have to be appeased yes
0: so, I'd I mean, agree yeah that's a, quite a good like way to say, look at that the
1: whole point of this movie is that it, it really teases out those elements of all these stereotypes that means my insight is ready <laughs> <laughs> it teases out all of the elements of these stereotypes to heighten them right Mm -hmm. so that's obviously trying to make a comment on us we want to see the cheerleader get killed we want to see the jock get killed we want to see the nerdy underachiever overachieve right Mm -hmm. do you think the movie actually has anything to say about why we feel like that though I feel like that's a really clear parallel that it's drawing but it doesn't actually give us any insight into why we are like that
0: Uh, I'm sure it could be said that if the movie didn't give us that, our figurative world could come to an end. Like the the world of the horror movie itself would wouldn't be continue okay. on. Right. So, I know what you mean. Uh, Elaborate further. Well, what I mean is if the movie was bad, let's say that we are watching a, a horror movie, not necessarily my horror, horror yeah. movie, but a horror movie.
1: Yeah. If
0: it didn't deliver, if the cheerleader didn't die, and if it didn't but give why, us the tits and the blood I mean. and the guts, it would why be Why does it have a, to be a cheerleader? It would be considered what a what I'm bad movie. Yeah wouldn't make any money, and then it wouldn't go any further. That universe of movie would cease to exist.
1: So if you take Scream, right? Yep. They go, you can't show your tits, you can't do drugs, you can't be morally bad, or else you are punished. Yes. And it's a really clear insight into, oh yeah, of course, horror movies work that way for that reason. Yes. This movie says, if you're a good looking girl who's like a vixen, you die. If you're a jock, you die. You know, if you're not a virgin or a fool, you die. But it doesn't actually have that backup, like that reinforcement. Here's why it is like that. And I feel like that's just missing from the movie. What do you think?
0: I don't think it needs it. Honest answer. I <sighs> think they, they give us the reason <laughs> I'm that... Deflated. They need to it have need sacrifices. So that the people being the audience, the metaphorical yeah, audience being sure. the gods, need these sacrifices mm. to happen. You need to see yeah, screen right. deaths. And if you don't get screen deaths, but it's not then screen. Then, yeah. that's, that's my point.
1: It's not screen deaths. It's specific stereotypes.
0: Yes, but stereotypes come about because it happens so often and again and again and again in the movies. But
1: why? Sure. Why do we watch those movies so much that they become stereotypes?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, my point. I'm not a psychology major. to right. One of
1: those. Oh, I mean, it's not that hard to say. Say you're a geeky guy who's maybe a virgin. You're watching a horror movie where the slutty girl who doesn't like you and is not interested in you in real life, she dies. You probably like that. You're not a muscly-bound, confident jock. He dies. You probably like that. It's, all, it's like a nerd fantasy, really. Sure. So, I mean, I could understand that. But the movie doesn't actually... Kevin in the Woods doesn't really say anything like that. And in fact, I think it goes kind of the opposite way. Because in this How movie, so- obviously, there's the like they, they go through that, that tunnel... And yep. now they're in the stage, if you want to call it that. Sure. And there's that big invisible force field. Mm-hmm. We see it first when that bird flies into it. It's yep. pretty cool. That's when you start to go, oh, because you have a position of privilege over these people. We're going to watch this scene play out, but we kind of are a step ahead of them. Yep. But what, ha- what happens when it all becomes apparent that the shit's about to go down? The jock takes action because he's an action guy. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to take action and get us out of here. Yeah. If that was real life, I'd be like, fuck yeah, action guy. I'm too scared to do anything. But you're full of testosterone. <laughs> go and save this. And the movie kills him. You know what I mean? Why should he be punished for trying to save the kids? That doesn't make sense to me. doesn't have to make sense. Fight? It's the rule of the movie. So he, he tries to save them by jumping his motorbike over that ridge. And he hits the wall and they go, oh my goodness, that's strange. And then the smart guy, he's like, I've got a plan. I'll think my way out of this problem. And they're in that truck and he tries to drive it. Away. That's uh-huh. what happens, right? So, what I mean, at that point, I was like, hell yeah, smart guy. Think us out of this problem.
0: And yeah, he, he gets, gets killed by a zombie.
1: Yeah. So this movie punishes all these people who are trying to save them. That's the mechanism that this movie has set up for itself. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't make sense to me the way it plays out. Like, wait a second. Why, why are we in favour of these people being killed? In a normal slasher movie, it would be. But this is one grade smarter than that, right? So we have to be one grade smarter too. And I just get confused. Like... Wait a second, that beautiful girl who wants to have sex with that guy, you know,
0: I'm a straight guy. I can see the appeal in that. Well, by your. I don't want to see her die. By your one grade smarter than the movie comment just before, usually in a horror movie, you vote. You root for the, the victor, the person who's going to survive at the end of the movie. Sure. Do you? Uh, I guess, yeah. You really? yes. What, I would say uh, the majority say, of audiences nowadays...
1: You're going to say you, you root for the bad root guy. Root for the bad guy. How yeah, many Jason right, movies has there been? Valid.
0: How many Freddy Krueger movies has there been? Yeah. You don't go to see who the starlet is who Freddy's going to kill. You're there to see Freddy kill them. For, I don't know. So... I don't know. I've seen some movies where that happens and it's not satisfying at the end. I'm just saying. The, the modern horror audience, sure. this is what this yeah. movie is made for usually roots for the bad guy sure. so in this movie they've flipped the reversal tables again and now you're they've rooting for the good guys the reversal tables well I can make up my own English fuck that's, you that's quite good they've flipped the tables yeah. and now you're rooting for the good guys okay, cool. so you want the jock to save the day you want the smart guy to think the way out of the problem sure you want the stoner to live hmm.
1: that was that was yeah, I had that experience watching the movie. I, this jock guy is taking action. Why should he be punished for that? Mm. But he is. Hmm. It, it threw me a threw me a curveball a little bit. That's right. I guess that that's you know the movie's trying to make you think about horror movies though, and the it, it's like I say, it's that one level above a standard horror film. It's presenting you the same scene, but it has this extra layer of just yummy goodness. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was almost like too much icing. I'm like, oh, my teeth hurt now. <laughs> So you're complaining yeah. for having too much good stuff <clears throat> in a movie. Sure. Really? So let's get to... Um, you know, they're there's this they in this cabin. Mm-hmm. Like I say, everyone's pulling the strings. So they hit the button and the attic door... <laughs> the cellar door pops up. And they're like, oh, that's strange. There must be the wind. I think there's that. Then they pump something into the cabin as well
0: to make them kind of a bit more accepting of yeah. what's going on. Yeah.
1: So well, that's uh, a bit
0: <laughs> weird. I like the fact that Topher's smoking so much dope that whatever they're putting in doesn't affect him. Yeah. And so <laughs> they're like... Boom! The the cellar door opens, and he's like, "Oh, must have been the wind." Topher's like, "Really? Mm. You guys believe that? Sure." (laughs) They all go down to the deep, the dark, creepy cellar. But they go into the. Hey, let's just look at this stuff. (laughs) Uh, guys, let's get out of here.
1: They go into the cellar, and this is why this movie isn't called "Zombies Versus Five Teenagers." It's called "Just Cabin in the Woods" because that's the only kind of, you know, pin that you can use to sort of compare this movie to other movies, other slasher movies, because. Once they go into the cellar, all it all changes. It all changes. There's Definitely not agree. there's not one villain. It's like choose your own adventure. Yes. And they, they excellent excellent parallel. They look at all of the <laughs> they look at all the options, they look at page seven, they look at page sixty nine, they look at page two ninety eight, but they accidentally flipped there before, so they know not to go there. And uh, and the girl just picks up that book and starts reading and then bang, that scenario wins. So mm. that, that room is scattered with all kinds of different horror movie trope artifacts. Yes. It could be any one of these monsters. And this is what's great is those two guys are in the, in the Running a betting pool. They're running a betting pool on what <laughs> monster it's going to be. That's great. <laughs> um, and then the guy who's so cocky, like I can tell I'm going to win this time. And he gets his just as it's
0: like, yes, of course you do. <laughs> I, uh, I love the fact that he has a favourite as well, Bradley Whitford. He's like, I really wanted mermaids. Fucking hell. <laughs> he wants it to be mermaids now. Later, he won't be so sure though. I do love the, the subtle irony of the fact that he wants it to be mermaids and he gets killed by the mermaid at the end. Very and the mermaid like. looks nothing like a mermaid you can imagine. <laughs> it looks like a horror movie Very mermaid though. That's great, isn't it? So they evict the zombies.
1: Is this the zombie family? Is that the one? Yes, they, it zombie uh, redneck something, they or is raised it
0: the it? redneck, pain-loving yeah. zombie family. Or cetera, I forget the exact words. The zombie, etc.,
1: etc. Mm. They they attack the cavern. Now, now, I mean, it sounds like, oh, well, that would be just a typical horror movie thing. Except, it is for a little bit. <laughs> it is for a little it bit. It starts off. Like, this is when know, we start to get into the, we have to appease the gods. This is what this is all about. A couple of people have to die. One dies slowly, another one
0: dies. A little bit systematic. It's uh, one of our listeners has said in an email that I often talk about uh, directors talking about stuff as if I've seen it in commentaries or talked to them myself. I have seen Mm. it in commentaries and I've read it online. That's how I know these things. In uh, the special edition DVD of Cabin in the Woods where they have the the making of featurette, uh, Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon talk about how they wrote this over a very short time period locked in a hotel together. Uh, They literally just tried to write the movie as fast as they could. And so they settle on a three-act structure. Act one is the setup. So everything from the start of the movie to the cellar opening is act one. That's the setup of the world. Act two is the horror movie. So it's everything from the cellar opening to the realization that there is a new level, a subterranean level below the cellar. Yes, And then act three is the end. Literally.
1: (laughs) So Act 2, I mean, you say that's the typical horror movie part. Yes. But it's set up in that, around plot point 1, between Act 1 and 2, set up that there could be a bunch of different scenarios that play out. Yes. That is obviously the pivotal turning point into Act 3. Yes. So, I mean, you can't dismiss it.
0: No, the points that link Act 1 and 2 also determine the end results between Act 2 and 3. Yeah, this is like the middle of
1: a movie where the hero, everything goes right for the hero. He's got the girl, his best friend is by his side, but later on he's going to lose the girl and his best friend's going to betray him and turn his back on him before he pulls it all back together. Mm -hmm. But in this case, the girl is surviving (laughs) and the best friend is staying alive. (laughs) (laughs) Do you follow? You had nothing, did you? No. <laughs> so what else can we talk about? I mean, there's obviously all these different options, and like I was saying before, it's not just American options; it's overseas as well. So just like there's a US, the, just the like there's a US bunker, there's a Japanese bunker. And I love the they playing the out Japanese all their Japanese always does it better than American. Yeah, did you pick up are. on that? Yeah, because Japanese horror movies are great, <laughs> or at least you know there was a period
0: where they were the golden age. And again, that's played on, given that Japan has failed at the moment, Japan fails in this scenario, mm. where the Americans are so, well, we've got this in the bag, because Japan's failed, but we're okay, Because we're I'm from Sweden,
1: remember? Everything I do turns to gold. Yeah. I went to see, speaking of the Aster Theatre, I went to see Ring 1 and 2. Yep. That was when I saw them at the Aster Theatre in like mm-hmm. the early 2000s. That was scarier than anything I'd ever seen. So, I mean, yeah, the Japanese do it better. Yeah, absolutely, I agree.
0: At least no American remake has been as good as the Japanese original. Well, yeah. I'll sure. put it that way.
1: Sure. So, I mean, the,
0: the teenagers start kind of getting picked off. They do. So and the... uh, as I explain later on, it's got to be done in a certain <coughs> sequence as well. Yes, it does. Uh... Because the gods have it that way, must have it that way. Yes. They've got to have it. So, as is tradition with most horror movies, the, person, the first person to have sex will die. Yeah. That's a, f- a staple, even Scream taught us that. Yeah. Uh, and so, the blonde who has sex dies first. Yeah. The next person to die is the jock, Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Although we think it's the fool. Uh, he actually gets dragged off. We think he is dead at this point in time. But the next person to actually die is Chris Hemsworth.
1: Yeah, I wish he was dead. Because he's really annoying. <laughs> he's supposed to be our, our hero piece, I guess. In this. So that was part of what made this movie so intolerable. I kept wanting him to die and he didn't. I just kept wanting him to die. So irritating. Who says... Who is younger than twenty five years old and says we're going off the grid? No person under twenty five has ever said that phrase. Stoners, get real!
0: <laughs> you're off the grid right now. You betcha. I can say that because I'm over twenty five. <laughs> uh, you're only saying that because I have a gigantic bong coffee holder.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't which, find that funny. Which, to for the be fact honest. that was a, a real bong? prop.
0: They they made a gigantic bong that could also be used as a baseball bat and used as a coffee yeah, holder. Great. Cost five thousand dollars to make. Good for them.
1: Not so unimpressed
0: with all that stuff. <laughs> I think it's great. So unimpressed.
1: Like Joss Whedon is meant to be this visionary guy. This movie is meant to be the be all and end all of insights into horror movies. Let's have the stoner be a hero. Big deal. That's that. Take that's <laughs> the 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 most it's simple the... of film analytical people. Come up with that in a second.
0: Is the stoner the hero, though? Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. Isn't the fate of the movie decided doesn't by the redhead, the not the stoner?
1: Doesn't he save the redhead? Doesn't but, that but, make him but the hero? No, I don't
0: know. Uh, well, we can't. Given that everyone that. dies in the end, doesn't t- the, the, the oh, mean, there mean is no <laughs> <alert>. hero? <laughs> we're in the spoiler section. Spoiler side. alert. They were told no, no, we've got to build up to that. So they we're told at least like
1: 20 minutes ago. A couple of people start to die. We think that the fool's dead, but he's not. He comes back later. And... They go into the grave. Yes. Now the grave is like, it's, it's part of the scenery for where the cabin is, but it's also the, what would you call it? It's like a threshold between the underground storage facility where mm-hmm. all the monsters are and the bit where the actors play out the scene. Yes. So they go into the grave. So normally, you know, the monsters come out of the grave, being very literal here, but they're going the other way. Yep. It's almost like like a, like a metaphor for dying. they go into death I understand that but again it's
0: reversing the stereotypes of you know usually monsters come out of the grave this time normal humans go into the grave
1: yeah but they go into I mean presumably the way that this would play out would be that the zombies would kill all of the teenagers the gods are appeased the zombies go back into the grave into the little glass box and then the box returns to its place Yep. but this time the people have succeeded and they're in the box so the box goes down it's, it's basically like pitch black and then all these monsters start to jump out of them, like out of the. Shade. That's wow. one of my favorite scenes in this. It's fantastic. It's pretty scary, I'll say that. It's really scary. Uh,
0: in particular, just as we're touching yep. on this scene, there's two monsters or two sets yeah. of monsters. I like to point out. One is a favorite childhood monster of mine. There's a song about him. You may know it. It is the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Ah, okay. You see him very briefly. He's there for less than a second in the top <laughs> left-hand corner of one of the screens. Oh. The other one I wanted to mention was uh, a group of monsters in a box in one of the back. It's kind of small, you can't quite see it. It's actually the characters from the video game series Left for Dead. Okay. Because as a part of this movie tie-in kind of with the the Left for Dead scenario, there was going to be a playable level huh. in the video game Left for Dead, which was the cabin in the woods scene, oh, right. including the the cabin upstairs, the the woods surrounded and the underground. Yeah structure below it however because the movie got delayed and it lost funding and it's just too too long to be released that plan got scrapped yeah cool so unfortunately that didn't come <clears> to be but you know it's there and it was a, a nice idea for a while it's you, can, there for... you can close your eyes and dream about it it'd be awesome yeah, yeah.
1: it's there for people who freeze frame the Blu-ray you know to, yeah. to analyse every frame it's there
0: and while we're there I've got one last guy I want to talk about yeah. one last bad guy apart from all the awesome bad guys in the movie a Fornicus it's not just a fun word to say it's the name of the bad guy who has the sword blades in his head. You know the yeah, guy who holding so now, the ball?
1: Here's, here's my problem with, with that guy, right? Yep. When they're in this box and it's all dark, this guy, Fornicate or whatever. Fornicus. Fornicus, sure. He comes into the light. He's yep. pretty like docile. He doesn't really... He's not out to just boo and scare them. Yep. But the the girl, the redhead sees him and goes, Ah, now I understand everything. Yes. When we went into the attic, that was all the different monsters that could have attacked Cella. us.
0: How does she put those two together into the stuff? He's holding the round puzzle ball that, she that was Chris holding. Helmsworth was playing yeah. with upstairs. But not the version. Because the round puzzle ball is actually uh, a puzzle which when you solve it it opens a portal he comes yeah. out and kills you. Sure. Uh, he's from the same realm of horror movie as Pinhead was. But I mean, I haven't
1: like I say I haven't freeze-framed the cellar scene, but she doesn't look at that or pick it up or see
0: him with it. But she's the first person in the cellar who scans around, so theoretically she's seen everything in the cellar. Bit of a stretch. But Crims Helmsworth, uh, Crim, Crims Helmsworth, Chris Crim's, Helmsworth was yeah. playing with it, as she said, "Hey guys, come over here."
1: A stretch. I'm just saying it's a stretch, because she's she puts it all together, and I'm like, there's so many ways that someone could put it all together. That's pretty weak, I reckon. But they're in now. Now they're in the underground part. Now they are controlling things to some degree, and. They're gonna turn. Well, they're really just fighting for their lives. There's this massive SWAT team that's kind of after them, like fifty guys with Which is completely useless. Machine guns. <laughs> well, it proves to be ineffectual. They kind of it corner them in this area. The walls, but it proves. Yeah. They corner them in this area and they're like, Oh, what are we gonna do? And they pull some switches. There's a big switch apparently that says let loose all the monsters and they just pull it. And, why is uh, it that button?
0: Why, why is there a button that says release all monsters?
1: Because there's no other way for that scene to happen without it. That's fair enough. They set all the monsters <laughs> loose and all the guys with the guns, and it just plays out over I don't even know twenty seconds or something. I suppose it's if, like, you, if bang, you start picking all at all the,
0: the loopholes in this movie, there'll be no movie left. Even um, when Joss Whedon and uh, Drew were writing this, uh, they, they found all these loopholes with each other, and they like to sort of shout things out because Drew was upstairs writing and Joss was downstairs writing, and Joss was writing the final scene where the werewolf attacks Sigoni Weaver, hmm. and he shouted up like you know. Uh, is it okay if the werewolf just runs away because these aren't silver bullets uh-huh. <laughs> and Josh is like yeah 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 I thought about that too yeah that's fine so they they understand that there are holes in horror movies but there's holes in horror movies anyway <laughs>
1: yeah sure so Sigourney Weaver, we can just get to that if you want
0: sure let's jump straight Why? on Sigourney Why? Weaver. I mean been, uh, let's talk deal. about her
1: I mean she she was in Alien she kicks ass she's awesome I love her I get it yep she's already sent herself up as a sci-fi hero in other movies like Galaxy Quest
0: Love Galaxy Quest
1: It's okay But then she comes in At the end of this movie And yep. it's meant to be Like a big Triumphant moment yep. This is her She's the queen of sci-fi In our movie At the end I don't care Big deal It doesn't have that effect for me Okay Like she comes in And I'm like You I'm don't supposed think she like, oh. airs,
0: uh, Lends an air of gravitas To, to the role of the, the operator or? The
1: only thing rolling Is my eyes <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm over this movie by now. (laughs) We've had the big bit with the monsters. I just want to leave. Let me get my jacket and I'll I'll just leave you guys to it. (laughs) It it didn't need it. did not need it.
0: Okay. That's fair enough. I happen to like her little cameo in this. And apparently, you know, she was all for working with a werewolf. So Mm. Then there's the the final bit where the gods have not been
1: appeased. (laughs) They've left their run way too late. The two people... Have I mentioned that I don't like this stoner guy very much? Yes. I I don't like these guys. (laughs) So instead of sacrificing themselves for the good of humanity, the whole world, which anybody would do. sacrificing one of them. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Anybody would do that. They decide not to because they're very self-entitled. Yes. A little bit like a Joss Whedon fan, you might say. Oh, no. Like, no, we're we're more important. What we want is more important than anybody else. So they decide, no, I'm just going to, he smokes a bong or whatever. He's like, we're going to die when, when, I mean, that's the other thing. We're going to die. If the, if the gods destroy the earth, we're going to die. But we won't sacrifice ourselves to save the rest of the world.
0: How can you like these characters? These characters suck. They're, they're a bunch of bullshit. I'm sure there's a, a line that can be said. I'm yeah, um, probably going to be able it. to articulate say it right it. now. Why would you hold back? But uh, I'm sure there's a line to be said. Something along the lines of, if we would go to these inhuman lengths, we cease to be humans, therefore, how can we still be let to live kind of a deal.
1: Well, that's a pretty cool thing to think in the afterlife after you've been killed.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying. You have fun with that. I'm just saying. I'm sure there's a line that can be said about <laughs> morality and sure. the, the nature of human beings and that sort of stuff. And <laughs> So anyway, they do do this really stupid,
1: dumbass, selfish thing, and they don't save the Earth. So great. We should really be sympathetic towards them. The yeah. gods kill the Earth. They destroy the Earth. Yes. So, I mean, I'm going to get a bit fandom niche here, because I heard an interview with... Drew Goddard. Yep. And he, they, they screened the movie and there was a Q&A. The first Q&A question. And he was asked, will there be a sequel to this movie? And Drew Goddard said, have you
0: seen the end of this movie?
1: Yeah. Get over yourself. They're <laughs> gods. I know the earth is destroyed. They're gods. They made the earth. They can easily make another one. <laughs> no, the earth, yourself, is, Drew the earth is destroyed
0: and gone. Goodbye. No more cabin, no more woods, no more movie.
1: But I bet he said, have you seen my movie? And the whole, cro- the whole crowd laughed at that guy. And yeah. applauded. And said, you're a dumbass. Yeah. And this movie is awesome and we love it. Don't you have any problems with that?
0: No. Makes perfect sense They're
1: gods. Can they be a sequel? could easily make another world <laughs> and replay. Yes, there could be a sequel. Drew Goddard's acting all high and mighty. There can't be a sequel. That's not my movie. There could be a sequel. Don't be a dick.
0: There couldn't possibly be a sequel to this movie. Why Because not? they destroyed everything. Everyone They can is dead. rebuild. Literally they the, the world is
1: destroyed. They can rebuild the world and reset up the same thing. They love watching teenagers get killed so much. Why would they stop? That makes no sense. I'm just
0: saying, the world is literally destroyed at the end of the movie. Therefore, there can't be another movie. They could... Are you listening to what I'm saying? No. They could make another world and <laughs> then just set up the whole thing in place la-la, again.
1: La-la, not listening to you. Oh, boy. I don't want to say <laughs> what that. I say, Whedon, what I would Jan. say... I don't want to say that. I'm not saying that.
0: No, no, no. But you no, are. No, hear me out. What on. I would say yep, is there could go. be a prequel to this movie.
1: I don't think you could have a sequel. I think you could have a prequel. I'm going to be like Drew Goddard now. Did you listen to what I just said?
0: No. I just said why there <laughs> could be a sequel. And it makes perfect sense. I'm just saying it wouldn't make any sense. It'd just be like anyway. making a sequel for the sake of making a sequel. There's a scene which I is really completely like. <laughs> I like it scene... at the end of this movie, they yep. kill everybody rather than having everyone say that everything's fine. Hmm. As we've been saying throughout this entire podcast, it's the coin yeah. flipped. It's the opposite of every other movie. Come up with something better than that. I'm not saying. Don't What's better do than the, doing the opposite of exactly
1: well, everything I'm, else? That everyone I else didn't make this movie, so that's not fair. I'm the critic. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not the creative one. They are. And I don't like what they did. It's not It's not my job to come up with something better. It's their job.
0: See?
1: <laughs> you Maybe say, in the sequel, they'll we'll do better. <laughs> Which is definitely happening. I was going to say, there's a scene I really, really like. When they're in the cabin, when they're sort of settling in. Um, I think it's the, the black guy. He's in his bedroom and there's this gr- grotesque. Picture on the wall. Picture on the wall. Yep. And he's like, I'm, oh, I can't handle that. I'm going to take that off. And there's a two-way mirror. Mm-hmm. So what happens then is uh, it's the girl in the other room. He's like, oh, this is a bit interesting. But he does the right thing. He's like, hey, just to let you know, there's a two-way mirror here. I can see you. Um, what I really like about that is that's like a metaphor for this movie itself as well.
0: Because we always. can see what's going on, but they don't because know what's it's going a, on. It's a
1: grotesque picture, right? And he wants to look behind it. He wants to see what's behind it. Just like Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard are doing about horror movies, right? We want to see what's behind the grotesque scene. Okay. And what's, what, what is behind there is a portal through which you can see the audience, us. You know, that, they're, they're his audience. Okay. The audience on the side of the audience slash the virgin girl, she sees a mirror in which she is reflected. So that's what I was saying before about how I could see a geeky guy watching a horror movie and getting pleasure from it, because it's like a fantasy for him that's being played out. He's, he's seeing himself reflected back from the screen. Okay. So are you following where I'm going? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with you. I, th- I think that's a pretty neat scene. And yeah, I think yeah. I've done a pretty awful job explaining what's great about it. <laughs> I agree that it's been pretty awful. But on I do ones, know what you're talking about. On the one side of things, you want to see what's behind this grotesque scene and examine the person on the other side, the observer. Yes. And that observer is on their side seeing a mirror, a reflection of themselves. And yes. you get to observe the whole thing. Yes. Agree. I think it's a really, really clever scene. It's probably the best scene in any Just waiting thing ever.
0: <laughs>
1: Just to stir the pot even more.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to rise to the bait of that. Oh, come on. Please. That's nope. what I want. You know that's secretly what I want. Nope. no oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> so I have two more things I want to have A quick brief check about. Yep. Um, out of curiosity, what do you think the most costly six words in the script were? <sighs> I know you haven't read the script, but the watching the movie, what do you costly? think was the most costly six words in the script?
1: I mean, I literally have no idea. What are you talking about? Why would they be costly? They're just words.
0: Is yeah, it because so someone, says someone says something? Someone says something, but even they a then have to... Sorry, I'm asking you a really hard question for you to answer because you haven't read the script. Um, the, the most costly six words in the script are... You ready? Is it the final bit? There is chaos on every screen. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, literally, the most costly part of this movie was filming... All the little snippets that you see on the monitors behind Bradley Whitford and the other guys who oh, we yeah. can't remember the character's Makes name. sense. When all shit breaks loose and all the monsters are rampaging through the the, the underground fortress.
1: Mm.
0: That took about four months to film. All the different little s- snippets.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, it's great. The whole thing with the monsters is really good. That's why like the poster for this movie is just that cabin and it's twisted around. Kind of like, like a, a Rubik's, Rubik's Cube. cube but they can't put in there a monster because it's not about a monster it's not even about the kids really no it's about it's the about all of the monsters and all of the kids mm. <laughs> and you can't give away too much of a spoiler about you know the, the government and the the subterranean blair. yeah you can't give any of that away in the poster no so it's it's kind of it's frustrating when you talk to people who haven't seen it because you're like you gotta see it. And they're like, what is it about? You're like, oh I can't just, tell just you. go and see it. <laughs> and that makes them go, like, well, oh, if you if if you can't explain to me what's good about it, how good is <laughs> gonna it be?
0: It's about everything. Just say that. <laughs> Alright, so I have one last thing about monsters before, we, uh, yeah, before later we me maybe call it a day. On the gigantic betting wall that mm-hmm. they create for all the, the, the different odds and things. Yeah. You probably haven't done what the people on the internet have done is freeze framed it and look at all the different names yeah, it might surprise you to learn that I have not done that <laughs> no it doesn't surprise me no not. there you go. There are a lot of obviously stereotypical fan site names my favourite is was... Wendigo because that was a movie Wrath of the Wendigo it wasn't go on. uh, there's ones about Killer Trees which comes Killer from the Evil Dead awesome um, you know, various yeah, other yeah. different horror movie staples there's one which simply says Kevin mm. that's all it is it just says Kevin And it was never really explained in the movie, you only barely see it for a fraction of a second, so not really expecting it to be explained. However, there was a book released along with this movie, which was the visual companion to it. And in the book, the visual companion to it, Cabin in the Woods, they explain, and I'll read the description here, uh, Kevin, a sweet looking guy who might work at a Best Buy, (laughs) until he dismembers people. Hmm. So it's, it's the little, little details that Joss Whedon puts into this universe like just, you know, Kevin. Yeah, right. With no explanation. It's not, you know, vampire werewolves or whatever. It's just Kevin.
1: So let me give you the cynical Joss Whedon hating version of that. Yeah, go for it. Joss Whedon comes up with this idea for a thing called Kevin. It's not that great. He comes up with this other movie which includes all of the best horror tropes of all time. And he goes, my half-baked idea is good enough to go in this movie. And he puts it in. He didn't come up with that. After he came up with this movie, he came up with it before. Came up during. And he links it in.
0: I don't know that for a fact, but I'm telling you that the (laughs) tennis. They're making up a scene where we need a list of monsters because they're betting on who's going to win. Joss Whedon himself wrote the diary that she reads out and he he wrote all the little things about that. He reached into the darkest part of his brain and wrote all the disgusting (coughs) details, which is where this murdering, pain loving zombie family comes from. And they decided that was going to be their killers. And then they needed this bedding pool. So they listed all the other monsters they could think of. Yeah, which includes a unicorn. How cool is it that the unicorn kills somebody?
1: It's not obvious. But when that unicorn kills that guy, stabs him a couple of times. Because you see it and you're like, that's majestic. That's the thing that like unicorns. a teenager dreams wow, about.
0: Wow, unicorns.
1: Stab. Stab death. <laughs> you are stabbed. You know where the inspiration from
0: that came from? Unicorns? Uh, actually, it was from a t-shirt that Drew Goddard bought at Comic-Con one year the picture of a unicorn next to a picture of a werewolf and said it's on bitch <laughs> the other scene that
1: people make a big deal out of is the one where the girl makes out with the wolf sure What's maybe you can explain to me what's going on there because I don't really get it she's making out it's kind True, of a, it's like an image it's um, like a dangerous image I like watching it I kind of was uh, expecting the wolf to come to life and bite her Because that's classic horror movie. Maybe that's because that's
0: what you expect. That's why it doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can tell you they had to coat the tongue of the the fake wolf with uh, powdered sugar. So the actress wasn't quite so repelled about (laughs) tonguing a a fake wolf. Yeah, it's pretty repelling even just watching it. She does Um, a good job. I don't know. I suppose there's probably an argument to be made that uh, the the bad girl flirts with the, the dangerous guy. Uh, floats with danger Something along those lines But uh, She's yeah, courting I think danger I think it's just a way To show that she's Being uh, Affected by the, mm. the Pheromones and hormones That are pumping through the, Her yeah, system. Sure. She's uninhibited
1: Yeah Yeah She's willing to take some risks Yeah Sounds pretty good to me I, I, Yeah I'm just saying <laughs> If I was those kids And I was out in those woods I don't want to be The virgin or the geek I want to be the winners The guys who make things happen Yeah And they get punished And killed I, oh, No good so there's, I, re, there's really amazingly good things about this movie. There's fundamental things that I don't like. So it's it's all over the place.
0: So I can just uh, say something I think yeah. I've noticed over the last podcast that yeah. we've done. If we like a movie, we then say, yeah, it's fantastic. And we pointed all the bad things about it. <laughs> and if we don't like a movie, we go, yeah, it's terrible. But yeah. here are the scenes that I liked and this is why it's good. Yeah, but I mean... And even if we disagree about the movie, we can both go... The movie's great, or the movie's terrible, but here are some good or bad bits that I like about it.
1: Well, that's called, you know, being objective. No one wants to sit there and just... I don't even want to sit there and just pick out all the bad things or all the good things. What's interesting is is some <laughs> of the good things, some of the bad things, whether it gets it right overall, and then we say goodbyes. <laughs> then we ask you to follow us on Twitter. <laughs>
0: hey, <and> since you <laughs> mentioned Twitter, it's our magic word of the day.
1: <laughs> that was unintentional, but go for it.
0: <laughs> don't forget to uh, agree or disagree with Rodney and... Please feel free to disagree with him. On
1: please feel free. I get that I'm not the only person who likes or dislikes movies. If you if you disagree, let me know. I'll take bring it on.
0: We'll we'll happily take any criticism yep. or lottery Absolutely numbers will, yeah. or uh, cash donations. Just yeah, just send them all our way to uh, J underscore A underscore M podcast, or you can catch us at just another at gmail mm. Uh, until next time don't forget to vote in our uh, five movies on the theme you've got very f- little time left you've got till the end of uh, August so the 1st of September that's it we're going to count the votes and uh, yeah at the time of this come out zombies are currently still pretty much ahead
1: yeah like I'm telling you if you don't like zombies you better vote write <laughs> yeah. the vote get <laughs> something happening you've got get very little time left
0: vote. so yeah unless you want to hear five zombie podcasts in a row <laughs> give us your votes let us know be vocal about it Uh, Until then, I've been Ewan, I've been Rodney, and thanks for listening. Bye bye. I'm going to live Fuck you! Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you,
1: fuck you, fuck you! You seeing this?
0: Perfect record, huh? The Japan
1: crew should have had this in the bag. They fucked us! How hard is it to kill nine-year-olds?
0: Zero fatality. Total loss.
1: I'm telling you, you want good product? You got to buy
0: American. Any word from downstairs? Uh, Downstairs doesn't care about Japan. The director trusts us.
1: Hey, you just sweat the Cam Lynn. Well, these morons are singing. What a friend we have in Shinto. We are bringing the pain.